We're going to be in uh, Luke 6 here in a minute if you want to turn over there. Uh, my wife is a fan of um, TV shows that deal with uh, home remodels or building houses, and that's just like, sounds like a, a, some of your wives, right, or some of you. Uh, and so I've become a fan of some of those, and I have learned over time who uh, some of her favorite are and some of our favorite shows are. And I want to talk for a second about builders, house builders for a minute, okay? And so maybe you recognize some of these, maybe you don't. These are all very popular home builders on television. The first one is a guy by the name of Ty Pennington. Does anybody remember him? He's the guy that would come into a family and redo their house, and he would bring a big bus full of people, and at the end of the show, if you remember, he would say, move that bus, and he would reveal to them a new home. And, and I liked watching him. He was a pretty good house builder. Uh, another one that you may recognize is Chip and Joanna Gaines, who in this photo have very white teeth. I noticed that earlier. Um, <laughs> They, they live in Waco, Texas, and if you have no clue who they are, can I just say well done uh, at staying off of news and media and shows and everything else because they're extremely popular. They did a show called uh, Fixer Upper where they would come in and fix up a home and make it look nice. Now, some of you may be going, hey, I don't know these folks, but some of you old school folks will know Bob Vila, right? You know, it's like, hey, he's the original home builder, Bob Vila, uh, with his uh, wooden pencils and his original stuff. Now, more along my lines is a guy by the name of Tim the Toolman Taylor. Y'all remember him? Uh, not a real builder, but an actor. And he could take any working project and tear it up, right? And mess it up. And somebody would have to come in and redo it for him. And then those of you who have kids and grandkids, maybe you remember Bob the Builder, right? Uh, he's a cartoon on television, and he can build it. Yes, he can. Now, the greatest home builder... The one uh, that knows more about homes than anybody else is actually Jesus, who we've been talking about in this series. Uh, and today in our lesson, he's going to talk about homes and how to build one. And if there was ever a person to listen to on how to build a, a home, a life in this world, it would be Jesus. No one knows how to build a home or a life better than Jesus. He is the originator of life the creator of life, the creator of home and family and everything else. So why not look at his directions on how to build a home when you start trying to figure out how are we going to build this life together? How am I going to build my life of faith together? Because he has got the perfect directions and instructions on how to get it done. Now, we are in our Jesus series and our title today that I've kind of thrown up is Building Your House Up to Spiritual Code. Uh, building your spiritual house up to code. If you've ever done a home or a home model rebuild, you understand there's something called codes that you've got to follow. And if you don't follow those codes, the city inspector will come back and make you redo it uh, because your house may not be, quote, up to code, uh, and it needs to be done right so that it doesn't have problems in the end. So let's look at our text and see what Jesus says about building a house. And you've heard this text, but I don't know that you've spent a lot of time studying it from the book of Luke, and let's see what Jesus says, and let's study today about houses and how to do them correctly, or lives and how to do them correctly. So we'll start in verse 46, which is really lays the foundation of the text here. Verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? For as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words, 
and puts them into practice. That ought to be one that's under, if you're an underliner in your Bible, that's an underlined word right there. Anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. Verse 48, they are like the man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Can you realize that this foundation, this house required some effort and some work? This was not one that was just zip in at nighttime and let's get this done and get out of here. He had to dig deep and lay the foundation on rock. And note this, when the flood came and the torrent struck, the house could not, the storm could not, shake it. doesn't say it couldn't make it fall down. It couldn't even shake it. That's how strong that house was. Because it was well built. Verse 49, on contrast, but the one who hears my words in another underline area and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground Without foundation. Do you realize both house builders had the same ground? They, they had houses next to each other. One chose to dig deep and work and build it correct. The other one just built his on top. So notice. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without foundation. Now, the other house did not shake. Notice what this one does. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed. The moment. It doesn't say it took two or three days of storms to knock it down. It doesn't say, hey, over a few years of storms, it come crashing down. The moment the storm hit, it came crashing down. It collapsed. And the destruction was complete. So let's look at two or three things that deal with this story and kind of what we can learn from it if we can. Number one, right off the bat, I want you to understand there are two houses in this story and there are two storms. There are two houses or two house builders and they both have storms. Now, now you know as well as I do, storms come in lots of different directions uh, when we're talking real life storms. Some storms come with heavy rain, some come with hail storms, sometimes we have uh, tornadoes, sometimes we, we have snowstorms. We, uh, we all have storms. Both house builders had the same storm. It wasn't that the one who built his house on the sand or no foundation had a harder storm. They were the same storm. It's just one had built the house correctly. Everybody has storms. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you're exempt from storms. Sometimes I think there, there is a misconception that when you give your life to the Lord and you become a follower, that He's going to exempt you from things the world experiences as storms. And can I just say, I hope nobody's ever told you that because that's not true. And you've probably lived long enough to realize that. We're not exempt from storms because we follow Jesus. We have storms just like everyone else does. We have trials, we have suffering, we have troubles. I wrote a few down right here. Uh, death of a spouse. Not sure there's a bigger storm than that one. A major surgery. A really bad decision by a family member. A really bad decision by yourself. Cancer. A spouse that leaves. Someone who gets angry with you for no reason. 
what, what you and I need to understand is we are not exempt, that storms are going to come in our world, and it is essential that we have our houses built correctly, that we have our lives built right, so that when the storm does come, it will not be shook. Look at the second point that I want you to catch, and this is where we're going to spend a little time. The key to building the right house or the right life in God is to not just listen, but to do. Now, I don't know if you noticed the difference. The difference in the two builders was not that one was on foundation and one was on sand. The difference between the two builders in the story was that one of them actually heard the words of Jesus and did them. The other heard the words of Jesus as well and didn't do them. He, he knew what he needed to do to build the right kind of house, but he didn't do it. He knew what he needed to do to build the right kind of life, but he didn't do it. He heard the words just like everybody else did. He just didn't follow through. Notice verse 47 and verse 48 in your text. As for the one who comes to me and hears my words and puts them in the practice, I will show you what they are like. Notice the difference in preparation, verse 48. They are like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the floods came and the torrent struck and the house could not be shaken because it was well built. He had to dig deep. Uh, there's a, a story I read this week. I was doing a little reading about uh, hurricanes and houses and stuff. And I came across a story of, about a house that they, they actually call the Sand Palace. And it is in Mexico Beach, Florida. You can CNN this and watch it. And when Hurricane Michael came through, within a mile area, Sand Palace was the only house left standing when it was gone. I mean, the only. And, and everybody recognized this, and everybody started asking questions. Why is this house still standing when everything else is in rubble? And so they interviewed the owners of the Sand Palace in the house that they built, and they said when they moved there, there was a suggestion that you needed to build your house up to about 125-mile-an-hour winds because that was uh, the most hurricane that they had ever had. But in the past, you know, 60, 70 years ago, they had had more. And they said, we decided to go above and beyond. And they said, we decided to build our house for hurricanes that have up to 225 mile per hour winds. And they reinforced the walls with concrete. They did all these just ridiculous things. And everybody around them said, y'all are going way too far at building your house. And so y'all are putting in way too much work. Y'all are spending way too much money on this house because it'll never happen. And then Hurricane Michael comes, wipes everything out except the sand palace. You see, they knew that there was a way in which you could build a house that when the storm came, it would survive. So here's the thing that I want you to catch. You know that there is a way in which you build your house, your life on this earth in such a way that when the storm comes, and it will come, that your house won't collapse. It won't be shaken because it's built the right way. It's important for us to understand that. It is more than listening. It is more than believing. Don't be satisfied with just listening. You actually have to do. Don't be the person who says, well, I heard what you said. We seem to be people sometimes that, that are people who go, well, I heard what you said. And that's a great suggestion. Sometimes I've had, in, in 40 years of preaching, I've had folks that will catch me at the back and go, well, you really stepped on my toes today, preacher. And can I tell you, sometimes we mistake a tinge of guilt for repentance or for work 
It's like, hey, that, that sermon really got me, and I really, really, he's right about that. And, and, and it makes us feel a little like, yeah, boy, I really, really need to do something better on this. And just because it makes you feel that way, a lot of people hear it, feel that way, and go, okay, that's better. That made me better now. But they never make the change. They hear the words, but they never make the actual change. Don't allow yourself to be a person who just hears the words and goes, yes, I know what I need to do, but doesn't do it. You can read your Bible, you can memorize Scripture, you can have the, every Bible translation that, you're is, that there is, you can have every Bible app that there is, uh, you can sit and have Bible readings with your family, you can listen to the podcast, you, you got to hear it, yes you do, but you have to actually do it. You cannot stop at just hearing what Jesus says do, you have to actually follow through and that's not what the man did who built his house on the sand James 1 do not merely listen to the word so deceive yourselves do what it says there are a lot of people who go I know what Jesus wants me to do but they have never done it we need to be people who do what we talk about doing all the time I teach or taught a ladies' Bible class on Tuesdays in Childress for years. Enjoyed my time with my ladies up there. And, and if I was ever late to class, I was always on time. But if, if something came up, maybe somebody came by for groceries that day, uh, something happened. If I was a few minutes late to class, I'd have one lady in class every time that we'd go, You're late. And it drove me nuts because it didn't matter what my excuse was. You know, I could have had a flat on the way, but you're late. It doesn't matter. You're late. And she would tease me like that. One Tuesday morning, I got up, found out we had somebody in the hospital, went to the hospital to make a visit. It lasted a little longer than I thought. And I kept thinking, I got to get to class because I don't want her telling me I'm late because I already know it. And so as I'm driving to work, to the church, to teach ladies Bible class, it's one of those days that the rain is kind of light, mist and rain, and everything is kind of wet. My wipers are going. As I'm driving down the road, I see an older lady. She had to be in her 70s, and she's carrying two really big bags of grocery walking down the sidewalk. And she's headed down, and I kind of look and thought, man, I hope, I, you know, what are you walking for today? And, and, and I get about three blocks further down, and it hits me. Why are you not going back to, to, to see if this lady needs a ride? Well, the, the little angel on the other shoulder, if you want to call it that, goes, but you don't want to be late, you know. The last thing you want is to be late. And so I made a block, and I turned around and went back. And I pulled up, and I said, ma'am, can I give you a ride? And I realized quickly she did not speak English. And I, and I went around, and I got out in the rain, and the rain was coming down harder, and I opened the side of the door where I'd get her in, and I was trying to go, you know, I, you, you get loud, and you make lots of hand motions when you don't speak Spanish. And I was going, come get in, I'll give you a ride. And I told her, and I know she didn't understand me, I said, I'm, I'm a really nice guy, I'm a preacher, I'm not going to do anything terrible, please come get in. And you know what? She never got in. Never could talk her into getting in. Didn't happen. But you know what? I did the right thing that day. I did the right thing because I didn't just hear. Two weeks earlier, I had taught the story about the Good Samaritan. And, and two weeks earlier, I talked about how we're supposed to help people. We stop what we're doing and there are interruptions in our day to help people. And I was thankful that day that even though she didn't get in with me, that I had 
followed through with the story of the Good Samaritan. Because I imagine the priest and the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan, we're actually going to talk about it in a few weeks, probably thought, hey, hey, I don't want to be late. I've got, I've got services. I've got work at the temple. I don't have time for this man. They heard. They knew what they were supposed to do. But they didn't do it. And Jesus applauded the Samaritan who did. Look for areas in your life to where you're going, well, I know I should, but... And then actually go back and do it. When we do things, when we forgive, when we love, when we serve, when we go out of our way to help someone, when we practice hospitality, when we pray for our enemies, when we bear someone's burdens, when we give encouragement, we're actually doing and not just hearing. Both had storms, and the only difference was one of them had heard and did. That's the key to the whole story. When you build a life, a career, a family, a faith, a life in God, success is if you do what Jesus said, but you not only have to hear, you've got to do. Let's look at this last point right here, and we'll wind everything down. Don't wait for the storm to realize, I need to build my house correctly. Instead, you need to do it now. There's a lot of people who wait until the storm's coming to realize we, we probably need to do something. Don't, don't be that person. Start preparing now for the storm. They, they, I've heard it said many times that you're either coming out of a storm in your world or one is coming into your world here pretty soon because storms just keep coming. Can you imagine someone, uh, can you imagine in our, our, our area of the panhandle uh, of, of hearing somebody going, hey, we have a tornado warning outside of town and going, all right, I guess we need to grab some shovels and start working on a cellar. Uh, that probably should have been done earlier. Does that make sense? Be cautious that you don't wait. We live in a time that says, I think I'll wait. Nobody plans a tragedy. Nobody plans their death. And it is unadvised to wait till the last minute to try to fix your home up to code when you need to do it now. And we meet someday people all the time. Have you ever met a someday person? A someday person, this is, this is their life. Can I tell you how their life goes? When they're in, let's just start them in junior high. When they're in junior high and you go, hey, hey, have you thought about giving your life to Christ? They say, someday, someday I'm going to. I'm going to do that. Some, probably when I get to high school. High school comes, and you go, you ready now? And they go, oh, I didn't realize high school was going to be so busy. Someday, someday I'm going to. I'm going I'm to put Jesus' words into practice. Probably college. College gets up there, and you go, great time to give your life to the Lord. You're in college. You've got so much time to do so many great things for the Lord. And they go, do you not realize what college is? Is it my time to be away from my home, to experience life? Definitely not college, but someday I'm going to. When I get married, when I get out of college and get a job, and they get out of college and they get a job and they realize the real world, world is pretty tough and they're really busy. It isn't much tougher than they thought it was. And they go, hey, this is just, hey, when I do marry, that someday is going to happen because I'll have accountability of a spouse and we're going to get serious about God. They get married, someday rolls around, and they start having kids. And before you know it, they're busy and you've got Little League and you've got travel ball and you've got PTA meetings. And they go, you know, when these kids leave home, that's, when I'm, that's, that's my someday. Kids leave home. 
And that's one of the funnest times in life. At least I'm in, I'm in that spot. My kids all left home, empty nest. It's amazing. Great time to give you life in the Lord. But this person goes, oh, not, not now. We finally have some time for ourselves. When I retire, retirement comes. And at the age of 67, instead of making someday now, Mr. Someday drops dead of a heart attack. And someday never comes for him. That's not the kind of life you want to live. You want to be prepared in building your life in a way that Jesus wants you to build. So I want to challenge you. Yes, there's a lot of great builders out there, but none better than Jesus. Do your best to build your life on Jesus' words, not just hearing him. We're hearing it this morning. You've heard it. Guess what? You need to go do them now. We're going to leave this building. we got to go do we got to go put those words into practice because a great life is not one without storms or hardship. A great life is one which Jesus said, hey, put my words into practice. Let me share one more thing with you and we'll close. There's an old myth, kind of an old story, about Satan coming together with kind of three of his head demons. And he asks them, what do we need to do to get more people on our side? What can we do to deceive the world and get more folks following us? And the first demon comes along and says, I got an idea. I got a great idea. What we do is we go down and we tell people that the Bible really isn't true, that it is a bunch of just fairy tales. It's not correct. There's tons of mistakes in it and that uh, you don't need to listen to the Bible. And Satan goes, oh, that's totally been misproven. Uh, Everybody knows that the Bible is legit, that it was written, uh, and that it is not what you're saying. That's that's not going to work. The second guy says, I know what we'll do. Let's go down and let's tell people that Jesus was a person who lived on this earth, but he really wasn't the son of God. And that he was a good man, a good prophet, a good teacher, but you don't need to put your faith in him. You don't have to believe in him. And Satan kind of stops him and goes, good idea, but that's not going to work. There's actual fact of Jesus's death, burial, resurrection. He said, that's just, that's not the effort that we need. We need a better plan. The third guy said, I got the idea of what we're going to do. He said, let's go down to earth and let's tell people that the Bible is real. That you need to read it. That Jesus is real and he's the son of God and you need to follow him. But let's let them know there's no rush in them giving their life to the Lord just yet. Because if we still have them delaying things and putting things off, they're still on our side. And Satan said, that's a great plan. And he still uses that plan today. And there are people today that sit in churches everywhere going, someday I'm going to put Jesus' words into practice. Just not yet. And Satan goes, still on my team. We've got to be people who hear the words of Jesus, go to work, and live it out in our lives. We're going to offer an invitation song at this time. And if we can pray for you this morning, we would be honored to do that in any way uh, as a congregation. Or you can catch an elder or myself afterwards, and we would be happy to pray for you privately. Uh, also, if you're not a Christian, if you've been saying someday, forever and ever, and you have never confessed him as Lord and given him your life and repented of your sins and said, I'm following him from now on and been baptized, don't wait another day. Don't put it off. and Don't be a someday person. 
Don't wait until the storm comes to go, man, I should have built my house on, on, on the rock. Do it now. If you need something that we can help you with, would you come as we stand and sing this invitation song?